So I've been thinking a lot about my super yacht since meeting with Tano. And it's totally inspiration overload. Suddenly, everything I read about design, architecture, upholsteries, even wood, it all seems suddenly relevant. I find myself browsing through high-end retail shops I never really visit, and even studying set design on TV and films more closely. Even while drinking coffee at my favorite cafe, I look around and I ask myself, what makes this place charming? Is it possible to maybe replicate that charm? And then I wondered, do I even want to do that? Isn't the whole point to build something from scratch? I mean, why borrow from things if you can create them entirely yourself? I'd thrown all my inspiration to a suitcase and handed it over to Tano and his team at FedShip. But isn't the whole point of designing my own super yacht to push the boundaries of my own imagination and maybe create something entirely new? Like a hydrofoil yacht or yeah, even one that looks like Jeff Koon's shiny balloon dogs. A yacht built to make its own waves. Something new, something no one's ever seen before. Everything is possible. That's what people keep telling me. So this episode is all about making the impossible possible. So I'm standing outside of uh, Fedship HQ. I have to admit, it's not uh, this giant, beautiful, Frangiri-style building. It's uh, a pretty nondescript structure. Um, quite modest, very Dutch. And I'm gonna go inside, I'm meeting Mark. Hi, are you Mark? Yes. Mark Levedu, nice manager of the Knowledge and Innovation Thank Department of FedShip. I'm here for the first time and I'm being greeted by uh, uh, a nice model yeah. yacht. Well, this is a model of um, our concept design slice, which we uh, showcased uh, last year at the Monaco Yacht Show. Obviously, FedShip really likes its models. You see a lot of open spaces uh, on the interior. And a lot of nice, cool features uh, where also my department contributed to a very large pool and uh, built in such a way that uh, the water motions in the pool are not a problem. A lot of glass. The glass goes from the uh, bottom uh, to the ceiling, so all the details are, uh, are hidden. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see all the glass because that's something I want a lot. And I understand the Fed ships like glass kings, right? You guys are the... Yeah, we have done a lot of research uh, in, uh, in glass and in the details and to make it uh, as smooth and uh, beautiful as, uh, as possible. We have researched that we could use uh, glass as a constructive material, said it's a load-bearing material. Usually glass is only... Um, uh, doesn't move with the yacht, uh, but we have researched it that you can use it as a constructive material so that you can make the, the construction around it, which is steel or aluminium, uh, as light as possible or even get rid of the, the construction materials. And the beauty of the designs, yeah, because the, our design department uh, uh, uses these uh, concept designs to really showcase uh, what uh, their idea is and what they're good at, but uh, we always try as FedShip uh, that the concepts that we present are feasible. So if you say now to one of the salespersons, I like this idea, I want it exactly as it is, then it must be possible. So we, we would not put in ideas where we know, well, maybe in 10 years or 15 years it would be possible. It always must be possible to build it as it is. Because I see this little orange tree growing in the middle of this, this yacht. Uh, so if I want an orange tree, I can have one of those? Yeah, yeah, and in the, in the big atrium, and that's, well, 
may I go into construction details? Please, please. Well, Overwhelm you with, with knowledge and everything. That's why I'm here. Yeah, the, 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 if you look at the model, it's really in a big open space. Uh, so there isn't any construction material in longitudinal sense. So the construction guys, uh, while the designers had this crazy idea, they went to our construction department uh, at, uh, at the Vogelneem Warstex and they did some initial calculations to make sure that such a big atrium which goes from uh, from bottom to ceiling is really possible so you guys didn't put this here for nothing it's 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 here to inspire people so i'm i'm properly inspired um i'm looking at this pool and it's a pretty big pool i don't know if i want to pool that big but let's let's get down to business because i'm ready to design my boat yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm just ready to know what's possible and not possible. Yeah. Well, the thing with a large pool is that there is risk that the uh, motions of the water in the pool, uh, so the water motions get high. So we do also a lot of research on that. And actually, on this floor, while we're here, there is a, a test setup we are using to research pool sloshing. So I show it to Research you? what? Pool sloshing. Pool sloshing. Yeah, this is the thing you want to avoid, but you need to research it to be able to avoid it. I follow Mark down a long corridor, and I get the feeling I'm about to learn whether all those ideas I shared with Tano are actually buildable. An engineer by trade, Mark is going to teach me things I knew nothing about when I woke up this morning. Welcome to episode two of FedShip Uncovered, making the impossible possible. So I'm following Mark into a, a back room. It's more of a, it's kind of a storage room. In front of us stands what looks like a plexiglass fish tank. Inside of it is a model of a swimming pool. The sound you hear is a pool slosh model. Kind of looks like a high school project, like a science project. It's funny you say high school project because the initial test setup was built by a student. And that's how this whole project started. But what it is, it's a test setup where we can test a different configuration of pools. So we simulate the motions of the yacht. Uh, the, there is a model of the pool on it. While it is moving, you see the slushing behavior of the water in the, in the pool. So, so this machine is what's going to keep my pool water in my pool? Yeah, what we will do is that we will make a model of your pool, uh, put it in and do variations of some pool designs to make sure that uh, the slushing of the water in your pool is as low as possible. And we used the experimentation, but we have built a numerical tool so that we can also uh, do it by computer because then you can do much more variations. And we used the test setup also to validate the computer program we have developed. The beauty of this uh, as a adult, it was built by a student and a uh, very enthusiastic student and the the thing which where all for me personally all comes together is that it's uh, the motions of the yard, the hydromechanics. I studied hydromechanics at the uh, university and that was really why I was so passionate about the shipping industry and the yachting industry. It was really what are motions doing? Eh? So so that's really the this project is really uh, very for me very uh, interesting because everything comes together while we are trying to resolve a problem which might be It sounds like maybe an insignificant problem yeah, to some exactly. people, but to be honest with you, all of a sudden uh, pool slosh 
in this case, anti-pool slosh has kind of risen to the top of my list because yeah. it's something I didn't know I didn't <laughs> Ooh, I want. I don't want to scare you, but it's true. If you want a very large pool, then there is some uh, things that you need to be aware of. And we have to figure out uh, ways to reduce it. Uh, and that is by changing the internals of the pool with stairs, with uh, depth uh, differences, etc. And we have developed, and I'm going to... Uh, not explain it totally because we're still working on it, but we have an anti-slushing device which uh, hasn't been used yet on yachts. So I would be very happy if we could develop it further and uh, use it as a first on your yachts, John. How big does my pool have to be to use this? It doesn't depend on the pool size. It just takes a little bit of uh, space in the front and the aft. You won't notice it, but you will have a button where you can turn it off and on. And uh, if the magic, as we think, uh, <laughs> if it works, <laughs> works, I'll be the man. You'll I'll be, be the, the man. You'll be able to see. Well, you see all these water motions in my pool, yeah. and then you turn it on, and then it uh, magically disappears. Okay, so I'll be that. I'll be that guy in the harbor that says, "Come uh, in, in stormy weather, come by my house, uh, yeah. come by my uh, yacht, and we'll uh, yeah. we'll stare at my." perfectly smooth uh, pool. Yeah. Did you ever, when you were studying in college, did you ever think you'd be talking pool slosh? No, <laughs> not really. I was at that time really interested in, uh, in uh, well, it started with my passion for shading, windsurfing, while I was studied uh, marine engineering at, uh, at the University in Delft. Yeah, so everything which has to do with uh, uh, objects sailing through the water was really what I find interesting. Motions, uh, so uh, I'm the kind of guy who easily gets seasick. Uh, so I was always very interested in... Uh, how can we reduce motions on uh, ships and uh, yachts? Uh, so did a lot of uh, my research on that uh, while at the university and also uh, uh, after that, yeah. We've reached technical rabbit hole territory. All those ideas I've discussed with Tano in the last episode, well, they're still just ideas. It's up to engineers like Mark to make them technically feasible. Compare it to building a roller coaster. It's easy enough to sketch a loop-de-loop or a triple-down drop, but it's the engineer that has to crunch the numbers and give the thumbs up. I'm quickly discovering that a super yacht comprises a million components that have to function perfectly in sync, every day, always. I'm happy to hear that Mark gets seasick, not because I'm some mean-spirited individual, but because it's one of my own concerns. We leave the pool slosh mechanism behind and head up to Mark's office where he can talk me through the most important innovations my yacht will have beginning with fin stabilization. Fin stabilization isn't really a new innovation, but it's a really important one. And not being a yawning man myself, it's a word I'm hearing for the first time. So fin stabilizers, fin stabilizers are uh, like, well, fins of uh, fish or whatever uh, outside of the hull, which counterbalances the, the motions of the they pop out, They pop out or, or they you just You have there. retractables, so you can retract them within the hull. But uh, mostly, it's uh, outside. They are outside. Yeah. Does this come quite standard? This is really standard. Yeah. That's not really an innovation uh, in that sense because it exists for a longer time. But you really need to have those uh, on your yacht. Yeah. To me, when I came here, I was like, okay, what type? What are we going to get into? And I'm like, the way Tano described you, I'm like, you're you're kind of like my Q, like from James Bond. You're my gadget guy, and I have no 
benchmark for the type of things I can incorporate on my yacht. Can you tell me a little bit about how you're going to use it? I, I want to explore. You know, I, I, I want to uh, learn to read the world on a yacht. Yeah, and discovering. Discovery, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I would say you need a very comfortable yacht. You need a very uh, so you're gonna go places where, um, well, maybe some yachts don't go. So the environment could be a little bit uh, wilder climate. So a comfortable yacht, a safe yacht. I would say that the the things you need should be aimed at that. Are you going to bring a lot of toys on board? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. again, I start, yes, I won't have a lot of toys, but I know in the end I'll have a lot of toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so space for that and make sure that it can be used in, uh, in, uh, in all the circumstances you are there. Um, yeah, so the, the, uh, it's going to be a cool yacht. I hope so, but it also depends a little bit on you, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Can you just give me a bit of a benchmark of some of the really cool things you've mm -hmm. created? Yeah, well, or things we are thinking about now. Well, one of the cool things, what we call the command center. When you look at the topography of a yacht, the bridge where the captain is working is really the AAA location on the yacht because it's high up, you have the best view, and it's the prime estate on the yacht. So the, the idea was, could we relocate the bridge to another part of the yacht using modern techniques so that we free this up for the designers uh, to make something special uh, for the owner. And the research was really into which techniques are available, because if you're going to relocate it below deck or somewhere where you don't have that visibility, uh, you need uh, techniques to well, come up with the same safety. But also for the people working on the yacht, that it's pleasant to work with, that it's correct, that they don't damage the yacht, that they can do their work in a proper way. And that's something we have been working on and which we think is, uh, is feasible. Let's pause for a moment. At first glance, what Mark is saying sounds like no big deal, but it's actually revolutionary and highly contentious. To put it simply, a command center is a high-tech wheelhouse where the captain steers the yacht. The difference is that a command center is situated below deck relying almost exclusively on cameras and sensors to navigate. Moving the space below deck frees up the best real estate for the yacht's owner, which in this case is me. Putting the command center below deck is like putting an airline cockpit in the baggage hole, or the steering wheel, gas pedals, and gear stick of a car inside your trunk. Tano and I spoke about a bit of an expedition or exploration style yeah. uh, yacht. I kind of want to be pretty self-sufficient mm -hmm. in the sense that I kind of I don't want to have to go in the harbors to dump my trash. I don't want to throw waste into the water. I don't want to, uh, recycling is going to be a big thing at some point, but how can I be as self-sufficient as, as humanly possible? Kind of leave no trace. Yeah, yeah. Well, it starts with uh, water, so you have to uh, make your own water. Does that mean like turning salt water into fresh water yep. when you say making your own water? Yep. Okay, I can yep. do that? Yeah. You want to sail a long time, so you need to uh, make sure that the waste you're producing uh, is uh, compacted, refrigerated. Uh, there are systems for that, uh, so it's stored and it doesn't take a lot of space. And when you uh, are in a place where you can dispose of it, then it's small packages and they don't smell because they have been uh, compressed and cooled. So no more trash bags. 
No, not the smelly type of uh, trash bags. Uh, That's actually know. really important, to be honest, if you're on sea for two or three weeks or two yeah. weeks or whatever, that you don't have trash smells coming <laughs> into yeah. your stateroom. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want that. Uh, what else? I would say you're going to sail a lot. You're going to be in places where you're remote, you're far away. I would say you need some kind of contact with Fetchip. So if there is something uh, in which we can help you while you're sailing, then we can help you. So that is one of the projects we're working on. It's a remote monitoring, health monitoring uh, system. I would advise you to have that on board. We call it the Polestar uh, project uh, and system. And basically, we're logging how the systems on board work. And uh, as soon as uh, your crew has uh, questions, we can look with them at uh, the systems and try to, from our offices, help you resolve any issues there. It's roadside assistance, basically. Okay, I want that. Yeah. (laughs) Check. Are you also head of the department of toys are you the guy i speak to about toys or no not really but i have some knowledge of toys yeah i mean my my main goal is uh and is surfing Mm -hmm. i want to be able to just travel around the world surfing kind of waves alone after a lifetime of fighting for waves and locals and all and just not being that good at surfing compared to a lot of people it'd be nice to have my own wave and so that's kind of my main goal but I've understood if you're if you're on the water having fun, you need you need lots of cool gadgets to go yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, besides the usuals, uh, jet skis, pedal boards, uh, one of the the coolest features I've seen are the new submarines, uh, which are really awesome, uh, like a big sphere, and you can explore undersea in a very safe uh, environment. They don't take a lot of space anymore and they're really yeah that's one of the coolest coolest things i've uh, seen in the in the recent years coming i would you I, would you build my submarine or you have no, a, no, you have a submarine guy you have yeah a, yeah we, we there, there are uh, yes we usually don't build the toys ourselves so i've never thought about submarines but in the spirit of why not if you could only see my face right now my own private submarine on my own private yacht Yes, I have to have a submarine. Yes, I need it to explore remote recent Africa. I need it to dig up sunken treasures in the Caribbean. I need it to quietly escape pirates in the Indian Ocean. But what, if I say yes to the submarine, would I have to go back to Tano? Because that probably affects, does that affect the design then? You need some space for it. So your tender garage needs to be big enough. But uh, that's what I figured when you thought about me all the, all the toys so i would uh, maybe a couple of jet skis less and a submarine in it all these gadgets and technologies all these innovations all this you know custom creation building things from scratch they're so mind-blowing to me and so new but for mark and his team well it's business as usual so i was curious where do they find their inspiration yeah, well, the aerospace is interesting, uh, automotive is interesting, and of course automotive is completely different because they are sherry products, so they have different business cases. We make one-offs and very special one-offs. 
but still there are some things they are doing which for us are very interesting. But I also look at inspiration from uh, with the department several years ago. We went to uh, Stedelijk Museum in uh, Amsterdam because there was an exposition from uh, two uh, Dutch uh, artists. One of the expositions they had was, uh, and you were allowed only several uh, persons at a time in a room, it was a big room. And when you came in, there was a, a giant concrete block floating in that room. And as someone who likes to look at art, it's there is this emotion. But as a scientific person, I'm immediately thinking, how are they letting a giant concrete block float in a room? We figured it out in the end, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, we also look at the yeah more more fun things to to get inspired. Of course, he figured it out. He's an engineer. After a few inspiring hours of exploring the boundaries of innovation with Mark. I'm a little bit hesitant to ruin the mood by bringing up my concerns about sustainability. But Mark seems to sense our conversation is heading in that direction anyway. And before I can turn the conversation to propulsion, Mark invites me to join him on his next appointment with a group of students at the TU Delft, Holland's most renowned technical university and Mark's alma mater. The students are working on a special project Mark wants me to see, a project that might just change the future of yachting. We're heading to, what's it called? The TU Delft Hydrogen Team? Hydro Motion Team. The TU Delft Hydro Motion Team. Why did you want to introduce them to me? How are they going to help me with my yacht? They're building a boat on uh, hydrogen. And you, uh, I know you talked about it, and I want to let you uh, meet them so they can, uh, they can fill your head with uh, their idealistic views of the world. I think it's a good way to uh, for you to see what the future is going to look like. Okay, and why are you sponsoring them? The sponsoring is a, is a way of helping students fulfill their dreams. Oh, we're pulling up, I think we're here. I see, I see this, I think it's their boat, I'm not sure, but it looks pretty cool and small and, and heavily sponsored. So, should we go? Should yeah, we go? let's go. We walk into a large shipyard bustling with people painting and cleaning their yachts. And when I say yachts, I mean boats. Normal boats, not fed ships. One stands out in particular. It's a small white boat surrounded by students. Good morning, I'm Mandy. I'm a operations manager of the TU Delft Hydro Motion team. We are a student team and in just one year uh, we design, build, test and race a hydrogen-powered foiling boat. I'm Rohan, I'm an embedded engineer of the team. Uh, so I work a lot on the internals of the boat electronically and make sure that everything works together. I'm Isabel, I'm the team manager of this team and in my role I'm end responsible for the project but also representing the team. One really big important question, does your boat work? The whole hydrogen system works now and will start at the end of this week with the foiling tests. Hydrogen propulsion. If it soars, floats, or flies through space, it's dreaming about hydrogen propulsion. And I am too. There are different types of hydrogen systems. One is, well, let's not go there, it's complicated. Let's just say everyone right now is interested in hydrogen propulsion because it removes carbon dioxide from the equation and opens the door to emissions-free. But there's an old energy joke that says hydrogen is the fuel of the future and always will be. 
So I have to ask. Is hydrogen maybe more accessible than I think it is? Yeah, that's still a difficult question. We always call it a chicken or an egg. Um, so we are producing a hydrogen boat and therefore we want to inspire the maritime industry to also um, yeah, create gas stations near the water. So currently we need to lift out our boat out of the water on a trailer and then drive to a gas station to refuel our hydrogen over there. We actually want the maritime industry to start taking action and um, yeah, start producing the uh, logistics around the refueling. But also we see a lot of new uh, vessels being created that run on hydrogen. So that's uh, really exciting. So, I mean, one of the things that interests me of what you're doing is we have students creating hydrogen yachts. So it, it kind of makes the technology, it kind of gives me a bit of promise. It's one of those, you know, when you talk about energy, you hear kind of solar and you hear wind. I kind of feel like hydrogen is a bit of the third wheel in the, in the whole sustainability green story. Is that true? I would say no. The thing is that it's still uh, very much like the baby. It's still very small uh, and it's growing. But the cool thing about our team as a student team is that we can really search for the boundaries in what is just possible in uh, innovation. So we really search, okay, what is actually what we just cannot do yet, but we'll just do it. And because we can do it, they can do it. Okay, so, th so I read somewhere before I came here, it's the, the first flying hydrogen boat is that did i say that right the, the word flying's thrown me off a little bit but can you explain yeah the the word foiling is quite a hard word for some people to understand so to make it uh, understandable for the outside worlds that are not connected to the maritime industry we say flying most times um, but it actually is foiling and um, each year there's a new team that is taking on this challenge And the team of 2021, they actually made the first flying, foiling, hydrogen-powered boat of the world. So that's a great accomplishment, we can say, as a foundation. Um, does it have a name? Yes, she has. She's called Aurora. Um, because Aurora is the goddess of dawn, and every morning she flies over the water. Before it rolls out of here, can you just kind of describe a couple of the highlights of it, what we're looking at, what makes it special? Where, where's, the, where's the hydrogen part? Yeah, so in the middle of our boat, uh, above our struts, so where our foils are supposed to be, we have the fuel cell, so it's maybe centered at the, the center of gravity, basically. What I like about the boat is you could, I mean, there's, on one hand, it's actually quite modern and quite chic, right? It's, it has the, the, the lines and everything, but, but on the other hand, it has kind of like these hardware store bolts. <laughs> like, you could like, you can take the lids off quite easily and stuff, so it has kind of yeah. a DIY feel to it but at the same time it does feel pretty high tech is that kind of how things turned out or did you make that purposely so yeah so of course we have thought well about our design but we are still in a testing phase and you're testing a lot of the time in this year and you want to be able to get into the boat quickly check things so some things are not worked off entirely like uh, having a a dashboard that's totally built into the boat or uh, yeah, the decks that can still be uh, screwed off. So we can easily maintain and also check uh, for tests. Okay, so you got a big race coming up. It's a 
hydrogen powered race? Is that what it is? You against other universities? Uh, no, it's a green energy challenge. So all the competition is on uh, uh, sustainable fuels. So most of the competition is actually on batteries. Uh, we are, um, I think, right now the only hydrogen team. And we are also the only student team. So we're competing against all uh, commercial companies. So their boats are indeed yachts uh, looking amazing tenders. Uh, um, their prototype has uh, made up bed and everything in it. And this is our finished product. It's a very big difference. But the fact that we still make a very big chance to win, that's amazing. Are you hedging your bets here? Are, are you going to win or are you going to... We are going to win. Yeah? Yes. And then what happens if you win? Is then this... we will uh, be become our world champions. Yes. So much idealism and confidence from these students. It's inspiring. It's even contagious. But I've got my own decisions to make. And I wonder what ideas they can give me for my own yacht. I need, I need ideas from you guys. Help me out. Um, make it as lightweight as possible. Um, use hydrogen, of course. Yeah, I think uh, fuel cell technologies uh, are already kind of mature to use in uh, engine rooms. So you could use it as the main propellant or the main propulsion form, but also as uh, something to add for your hotel load, for example. After speaking with Mark and the TU Delft Hydrogen Crusaders, I had a few new ideas for my own yacht. And it was time to give Tano a call. Hello, Tono speaking. Hey, Tono, this is John. Hey, John, how are you doing? Your favorite customer. <laughs> awesome. Great you're calling me. Yeah, I had a really great conversation with Mark, and he uh, gave me a couple things that I, I think I need to have in my boat. And oh, oh, I feel a little okay. bit guilty. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I, you, never, you, haven't, you didn't say I have to stop, so I'm just going to throw them right out there, yeah? Please, please, go ahead. Go okay. ahead. First one, because of uh, potential seasickness, is uh, fin stabilizers. Do I have those? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're underneath your boat. There are different uh, types, but we will always make sure that it's the best uh, suitable type for, for the yacht that you're having. So we're going to check that in the architecture and optimize it to the, to the max to have the, the most pleasant ride in the boat that you can have. Another one, this, this, I don't know if this is a big ask or not, but... Uh, well, the first one was an easy one. It's Thanks, an John. easy one. Okay. Well, they were good <laughs> off to a good start, so I don't feel guilty with the big ask. Okay, Mark, Mark and his team are working on anti-pool slosh. Have you heard of that? Do you, do you know that? Yeah, yes. Do, do you yes. know this? Absolutely. I will take take care of that. But it's incorporated. It takes a bit more space on the side, probably. Uh, so I really have to take that in account for where I put the pool to make sure that it uh, doesn't stand in the way of other things. Funny you should mention other things because I have something else on my list. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I need a submarine. It doesn't have to be really big. That fits, right? Will it fit? Uh, well, to be honest, it will always fit because we make a custom-built boat. So if I add this, it will add, um, well, it has consequences for the uh, for the layout. You don't make it easier on me, but I like the challenge. So I, I've been kind of teasing you a little bit because <laughs> these are all small asks compared to what I'm about to ask all you right. now. Okay, come on. Command center. Does that mean anything to you? Oh, yes. What's your personal opinion on the command center? You are, are... No, I am totally into it. Of course, uh, I, I love this challenge and I love, I love the idea. Uh, but I, I'm also a big gamer, so that that's makes a difference maybe. And there are also people that hate it. And we make sure that it works all the time. Uh, 
So I don't see a big issue in it. It's something that you like or not like, and especially the captain, of course. That's the most important guy that has to work there and the crew. And it's also a cool feature eh? when you come into the boat with your guests or family and you, the first time you arrive and you go to that command center, you can immediately go there with the captain and see what the trip will be, how the trip will be and how it will lay, be laid out and what cool things you're going to do. And you know, it's a kind of a presentation room also in the meanwhile. Well, the submarine's a must. The anti's pool okay. slosh must. The command center's yeah. cool. See if you can make it work. Okay. So I went with Mark uh, and we visited a project on the TU Delft. And, you know, I got a pretty good introduction to hydrogen, hydrogen propulsion. I'm really interested, like really interested. I want to explore the option. Are, are you the guy to talk to about this? Uh, well, besides that, I'm, I'm also very enthusiastic about it. I'm not a specialist in this case. Uh, I think we've got a specialist here. That's Guido. I think you should go and talk to Guido about this. He's really into this uh, hydrogen propulsion uh, uh, stuff. And um, yeah, I, th- I think if you could give him a call or go go and visit him, that would be a good idea. I'll go to him with all my questions and concerns. I feel I gave you a lot of homework. I don't. I don't like being that guy. But there you go. Um, we're cool. <laughs> Thanks, John. I love it. Okay, well then, uh, we'll talk in a couple weeks. Thank you very much. Okay, talk to you later. So with the plan to meet Guido in the books, I head back home to find some more inspiration for my yacht. But before I get there, Marcia surprises me. What I'd like to do with you now is to visit the shipyard. Because we've been talking a lot, and now I want you to see it and to feel it and to really um, understand what they're doing. In the next episode, I'm heading to the north of Holland, to visit the mythical Fed ship Malcolm shipyard. And it's finally time to see some really big boats. But here it is. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Do you still get goosebumps walking Absolutely. in here? Absolutely. Every time. Yeah. I don't know how, how big the yacht is we're looking at over it's, there. It's uh, 94 meters. 94 meters. Yeah. You'll hear all this and more on episode three of Fed Ship Uncovered. Yeah.